Hello, I'm Andrew and welcome to this week's edition of the Black Country Talking News for the 18th of October 2023. Hello and welcome to the Black Country Talking News, brought to you by the sight loss charity Beacons. We're pleased to confirm that the Talking News is now available via Alexa. Once you've enabled the Talking Newspapers skill, all you need to do is play Talking Newspapers and ask for the Black Country Talking News. Our Talking News service is also available via the free Wireless for the Blind app. It can be found on the Beacon Centre website www.beaconvision.org forward slash talking dash news. As a podcast via services such as Apple or Spotify or as a free CD, simply contact Beacon Centre on 01902-880-111. We hope you enjoy this week's edition. Reading for you this week, we have myself, Andrew, Angela, Christine, Ian, Helen, Mina, Simon, and of course, not forgetting Flashback Roger. In this week's edition, we have an update from Beacon, the quiz with Mina. We have the latest local news for the Black Country, a special edition of our sports section. A. Did you know? Section from Flashback Roger. The weather for the week ahead and with the temperatures beginning to tumble, we hear from gardening experts at MK Pulse magazine who have plenty of winter tips to share. Local news to start though with Ian Christine, but first, Angela. Details have been revealed of £2.7 billion worth of public transport projects in the West Midlands following the cancellation of the HS2 Northern Line. The completion of the West Midlands Metro tram line to Briley Hill Town Centre is among the projects which will now receive full funding. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak recently announced that he was scrapping the high-speed rail line from the West Midlands to Manchester and diverting the £36 billion saved into transport schemes in the Midlands and North. Now, West Midlands Transport Chiefs have revealed how some of the funding will be spent. Transport for West Midlands, part of the West Midlands Combined Authority, will receive an immediate £100 million investment for existing tram extensions, including the final phase of the Wensbury to Briley Hill Metro route. The line was originally due to open in its entirety this year, but rising costs led to the announcement last year that it would be broken down into different stages. The first phase from Wensbury to Dudley Town Centre is due to be open next year, 
Further funding was secured for a second stretch to the waterfront business park in Briley Hill, which will open as soon as possible. Dudley Council has agreed to fund the third phase, which will continue to the Merry Hill Centre. The latest round of funding will now allow the line to continue to the centre of Briley Hill. A further £700 million has been set aside for rail, bus, tram and road projects, as well as infrastructure to encourage walking and cycling. A further £100 million will be shared across the Midlands and North to expand the use of tap-and-go smart tickets. The body will also receive £250 million over the next five years to ensure the stability of the transport network. These projects come on top of nationwide schemes that will benefit the West Midlands, including investment in roads and the extension of the £2 single bus fare cap. West Midland Council leaders expressed their disappointment at the cancellation of the HS2 Northern Link during last week's meeting of the Combined Authority. But they welcomed the offer from Mayor of the West Midlands, Andy Street, to work with a private sector consortium and colleagues in Greater Manchester to improve transport links to the north of England. Mr Street said, The near £3 billion worth of transport investment we have secured for the West Midlands is really significant and will help to turbocharge our plans to improve public transport in the region and better connect our communities. From ensuring the Black Country Metro extension goes all the way to Briley Hill to more capital sums to invest in safe walking and cycling routes, the government has made a sizeable investment in the West Midlands. Work to install the final bridge for the first phase of the Wensbury to Briley Hill Metro extension will enter a new stage in December as the project gathers pace. Preliminary activity took place earlier in the summer and those living and working in the Birmingham New Road area of Dudley are being asked to prepare for the next stage which is expected to take place in the first few days of December, ahead of a new purpose-built bridge being placed sometime in 2024. To allow vital works to take place later this year, a localised road and footpath closure will be implemented around 100 metres in either direction of the iconic Hansons Bridge on Birmingham New Road, Dudley. The changes will be in place from Friday, December the 1st, until Monday, December the 4th, with the road set to reopen by Tuesday, December the 5th. Tom Maplethorpe, Project Director at the Midland Metro Alliance, which is designing and building the route on behalf of Transport for West Midlands, TFWM, said, The start of works to install the final bridge for the first phase of the Wensbury to Briley Hill scheme is an exciting milestone in the delivery programme. When these works are completed, it will mean that all the bridges along the route will be in place ready for the Metro's opening. 
during the brief four-day closure, those travelling to or away from Dudley will be able to continue their journeys using a short diversion route via Tipton Road and Birmingham Road. The Midland Metro Alliance is working closely with TFWM and both Sandwell and Dudley councils to help minimise traffic disruption while the works are underway. Motorists are advised to plan ahead and leave more time for journeys, especially if travelling along Birmingham New Road, Tipton Road or Birmingham Road. All local attractions and businesses will remain open as usual during the period of construction activity in the area. Councillor Paul Bradley, Deputy Leader of Dudley Council and Cabinet Member for Communities and Economic Delivery said, We're investing so much in our borough, so it is inevitable that there will be some delays to journeys while these vital works are taking place. We are committed to keeping the travelling public moving during this time. We are therefore asking people to plan ahead and consider their journeys wherever they can. Transport chiefs say the Wensbury to Briley Hill Metro extension will boost public transport provision, providing much-needed links to existing heavy and light rail networks and helping to connect people to education, training and career opportunities further afield in the region. When the first phase of the route opens to the public in late 2024, nine extra stops will be added to the West Midlands Metro network, linking people in Dudley Town Centre to Birmingham and Wolverhampton. A raft of new traffic regulations are set to be enforced across Dudley, Halesowen and Stourbridge. Dudley Council has announced there will be new rules about stopping, parking, disabled parking, unloading on more than 40 roads across the borough. These include Brettle Lane, Briley Hill, Collis Street, Amblecote, Bridge North Road, Wollaston, Brook Street, Wordsley, Corsa Street, Dudley, Dibdale Street, Dudley, Gate Street, Sedgley, Wolverhampton Road, Sedgley, Highfield Lane, Hales Owen, Hunting Tree Road, Hales Owen, and Hales Owen Road, Netherton. Dudley Council announced the changes on its website and in public notices. The council stated residents, councillors, MPs, and council departments have raised concerns regarding some existing restrictions which need removing or altering to reflect current circumstances across the borough. As part of Dudley MBC's commitment to the safe movement of traffic, including pedestrians, various restrictions and revocations are proposed on the roads included in the proposed orders to address these concerns. The reasons for the changes include the desirability of securing and maintaining reasonable access to premises, the effect on the amenities of any locality affected and the importance of regulating and restricting the use of roads by heavy commercial vehicles so as to preserve or improve the amenities of the area through which the roads run. 
the importance of facilitating the passage of public service vehicles and of securing the safety and convenience of persons using or desiring to use such vehicles. Council added, for avoiding danger to persons or any other traffic using the road or any other road or preventing the likelihood of any such danger arising. For more information, visit www.dudley.gov.uk or call Dudley Council on 0300 555 2345. Up next, we hear from Helen, who, as usual, has our latest Beacon update. Hi, everyone, it's Helen from Beacon, and as usual, I am here to tell you about everything that's been happening at our charity over the past week and what a week it's been. We're starting with a very big thank you to everyone who went Bright for Beacon to celebrate our Bright for Sight Day on October the 12th. From nurseries to schools and businesses to volunteers, we so appreciate everyone who helped us spread the message that bright colours and good contrast can help you make the most of your sight. Our team were out and about promoting the event last week from bucket collections at shopping centres to school assemblies where youngsters were able to learn about the impact of sight loss. There was lots going on. If you want to show your support, it's not too late. You can make a donation on our website www.beaconvision.org forward slash bright hyphen for hyphen sight. Next up, talking about our team, we are delighted to announce that our sight loss advisor, Nathan, has been shortlisted for Employee of the Year at the Black Country Chamber Business Awards 2023. What an achievement. Nathan has used his own experience of having a visual impairment to make a difference for others, providing our members with information, advice and guidance so they can live well with sight loss. The winner will be announced at a special ceremony next month. Good luck, Nathan. We're all behind you. Now, do you use Braille? Well, it may have been invented nearly 200 years ago. Wow. But Braille is still as relevant today as it was way back in 1824. That's why we're delighted to have been installing our new 3D resin printed braille signs at our centre during National Braille Week, which has been taking place recently. Developed with the help of our members and designed and printed in our Fab Lab, they also use colour contrast to make them easier to see. Right, that's it for this week. I'll be back again soon for another update. Bye bye. Thanks for that update, Helen. Next up, we have another block of local news. Wolverhampton has been ranked the 12th worst local authority out of 309 in England for adult physical activity and the third worst for children, figures have revealed. A worrying 30.5% of the city's adults are physically inactive, which is 5% higher than the regional average and 8.2% higher than the national average, and numbers are rising year on year. The disturbing trend has prompted health bosses to draw up a draft physical activity strategy to try and get people moving more or taking up some form of regular exercise. 
It will go before the Council's Cabinet this week, before being presented to Wolverhampton Health and Wellbeing Together Board. Councillor Jasbir Jaspal, Cabinet Member for Adults and Wellbeing, said, Whatever your age, there's strong scientific evidence that being physically active can help you lead a healthier and happier life and reduce your risk of developing major illnesses like coronary heart disease, stroke, type 2 diabetes and cancer. Research shows that it can also boost your self-esteem, mood, sleep quality and energy levels, as well as reducing your risk of stress, depression and dementia. Being physically active is the miracle cure we've always had available to us, but too many people in our city are not taking their recommended dose and their health is now suffering as a result. We also recognise that being healthy and feeling good is about more than simply not being ill. Lots of different factors shape our health and well-being, where we live, our education, income, the type of job we do, our lifestyles, access to green spaces and the connections we have with other people. But we can change that. Together, we can create an environment where our residents can live longer, healthier and more active lives and where every child in the city has the best start in life, she added. We will do this by working in partnership with health and social care, the voluntary sector, faith and community groups, businesses, education and delivery partners, and by listening to local people, understanding their experiences and making decisions informed by health data from our local population. We will also continue to support those who take part in regular sport and physical activity to carry on doing so and back our city's wonderful clubs and other organisations who deliver a fantastic range of opportunities for our residents. This is an exciting chance for stakeholders to work together to make Wolverhampton a city that helps its residents to get moving more and to enjoy the many benefits that enjoying an active lifestyle can offer. The draft strategy, which has been specifically designed to inspire and support adults and children to move more and build activity into their daily lives, focuses on four themes that Ian can tell us more about. Active Wolfrunians Creating a city where everyone is physically active every day and understands the benefits of being active and how to be active in a way that suits their ability. Active City Creating and promoting suitable activities, programs and infrastructure which enables residents to engage in regular physical activity that meets their needs. Active Spaces and Places Creating a city where community spaces are enhanced invested in and protected and which encourage and promote physical activity. Active systems working collaboratively as a whole system to create leadership, governance and partnerships that enable practice and protocols to promote physical activity across all sectors. In a report to Cabinet members, Head of Partnerships for Public Health, Richard Welsh, said, Wolverhampton as a city has significant health inequalities, 
Not only does it have lower than average life expectancy and healthy life expectancy, but it also has high levels of physical inactivity. This contributes to other health inequalities and is responsible for one in six deaths in the UK. Physical inactivity is equal to that of smoking and is estimated to cost the UK £7.4 billion a year. Physical inactivity is the fourth leading cause of disease and disability in the UK and is responsible for up to 40% of long-term health conditions and 30% of later life functional limitations and falls. This document will set the city's strategic direction for physical activity until 2030. Now, if you have noticed there are less pathways into physical activity within the region of Dudley, then you would be correct, quite literally. As dozens of miles of public rights of way have disappeared in Dudley over the past century analysis shows. The Ramblers, a charity for walkers, has carried out extensive analysis of how footpaths have changed over the past century. By comparing historical and contemporary maps, the charity has estimated 58 miles of protected footpath has been lost in the former Dudley area since the turn of the 20th century. Public rights of way are paths that anyone has a legal right to use. While these are predominantly used by walkers, they can include bridleways also used by cyclists and horse riders. Further research from the Ramblers and the New Economics Foundation think tank shows the average postcode in Dudley has 3,000 metres of footpath within a 10-minute walk. The average English postcode has around 2,700 metres of public rights-of-way within a 10-minute walk. However, the charity has warned people across the country are missing out on the benefits of walking in nature. Jack Cornish, head of paths at the Ramblers, said readily available walking routes can have a massive impact on health outcomes. In recent years, the UK government has been exploring the possibilities of social prescribing, with trials announced in 11 local authorities in England last year. The trials will see patients prescribed activities, including walking and cycling, as an alternative or alongside medication. Separate figures from the Department for Transport show 48% of Dudley residents walked for leisure at least once a week last year, lower than the England average of 56%. A spokesperson for the Department for the Environment, Food and Rural Affairs said, We are committed to increasing access to nature and our environmental improvement plan sets out our ambition for every household to be within a 15-minute walk of a green or blue space. We are working to reduce other barriers preventing people from accessing green and blue spaces, including through our £14.5 million Access for All programme, which includes a package of targeted measures to make our protected landscapes, national trails and wider countryside more accessible for all communities, they added.
There is not necessarily a right of access to these areas, but a report released last week has shown there to be 653,618 acres of green belt land in the West Midlands, making it the region with the second highest proportion of protected land in England. A total of 20.3% of land in the region benefits from green belt protection, according to new government figures. This is a slight decrease compared to last year, when the figure stood at 20.4%. This is in part due to development plans around the Kidderminster area. The figures released by the Department for Leveling Up, Housing and Communities show there are 4,048,624 acres of greenbelt land in England, accounting for 12.6% of the country's land area. This has increased by 0.1% compared to the previous year, with some local authorities adding to their greenbelt and others making it smaller. A greenbelt designation is a restrictive planning rule designed to stop the spread of urban sprawl and prevent neighbouring towns merging together. They also seek to preserve the historical aesthetics of small towns and encourage developers to reuse derelict urban land rather than build on the countryside. The greenbelt restrictions have been the subject of political debate in recent months with some arguing that they place too heavy a constraint on the ability to provide enough homes for people to live in. One of the most notable changes in the West Midlands came in Wire Forest, which saw a 568-acre reduction in the size of its greenbelt, from 27,700 acres on March 31, 2022, to 27,132 on the same date this year. The report said that the reduction in wire forest's green belt resulted from changes which had taken place to allow a sustainable village of 1,400 new homes at Lee Castle near Wolverley, on the eastern fringe of Kidderminster. This includes 600 homes which have already been built on the site of the former Lee Castle Hospital. The wire forest green belt boundary also saw changes at locations around Kidderminster, Stourport on Severn, Beaudley and Blakedown. Now it's time to test your knowledge as we have the quiz questions for this edition brought to us by Mina. Hello and welcome to this week's Flashback Quiz. All the answers you need can be found later in Flashback Rogers' Did You Know feature. But for now, these are your questions. Question 1 How many pieces is it said that the largest Rambisu is made of?
Question two. How long was the longest bicycle? Question three. In the current world record, how many paper doubling folds were completed? Question four. Which is the oldest Oxford University or the Aztecs? Question five. Do stars really twinkle? And finally, question six. How heavy is the average cloud thought to be? I will be back later with you to answer all the questions. But for now, best of luck. Cheers for those questions, Mina. Hmm, I'll get my mind working on them. Up now, however, is another block of local news. Anyone caught fly-tipping in Wolverhampton is being warned they will face a heavy penalty after environmental bosses announced tough new measures to help stamp out the menace of dumping large objects once and for all. The local authority this week issued a renewed caution to residents and revealed that its ongoing Shop a Tipper campaign has already seen a 53% decrease in incidents in targeted areas since launching last year. As well as high-profile public warnings, the dedicated crackdown has involved CCTV being placed at hotspots across the city, capturing repeated incidents of fly-tipping at locations in Whitmore Reams and Blakenhall that have led to several convictions. Residents providing information leading to the identification of culprits, a fixed penalty notice, FPN, or prosecution, receive a £100 Enjoy Wolverhampton gift card. Head of Environmental Services Steve Woodward said, There have been 1,583 reports of fly-tipping since January 2023 on council-owned land, not including Wolverhampton homes. This is a 17% reduction compared to the same period in 2022. 98% of reported fly-tipping is collected within five working days. All rapid response officers operate on the CONFIRM system via an in-cab tablet, allowing jobs to be immediately assigned to the team from customer services, the Love Clean Streets app, or directly from the environmental team. Fly-tipping remains a constant challenge for the city, an ever-evolving issue and one which there is no simple remedy for. 
Across the city, fly tipping varies significantly in terms of material fly tipped, size of deposit and location. In developing interventions, it is important to understand this variance and use an evidence-based approach to understand why people are fly tipping and review systems, processes and communication material in response. Identifying areas in the city where fly tipping is most persistent, the Shop a Tipper project has been working to educate residents that fly tipping is a crime and giving them information on how to dispose of waste legally. If this information and education does not make an impact on the amount of fly tipping in these areas, CCTV is deployed both as a further deterrent and to try and identify those responsible, he added. In December 2022, we deployed the first Shop a Tipper poster using the images captured from the CCTV. This campaign has been devised to help tackle the issue the council is facing of residents fly-tipping on foot. Unless there is evidence in the waste, we have no way of identifying who is doing this and thus no way to enforce and use this enforcement as a deterrent. We use the images we have captured on posters in the local area, asking residents to identify the culprits. If a FPN is issued and paid, there is a reward for the information. Councillor Craig Collingswood, the council's cabinet member for environment and climate change, added, Residents are reminded that waste can be disposed of free of charge at our household waste and recycling centres. The city's tips, which are open seven days a week from 8am to 4pm. Centres are based at Anchor Lane in Lanesfield, Bilston and Shore Road, Wolverhampton, which is in the Bushbury South and Low Hill Ward. As well as the city's tips, the council also operates a bulky item collection service to dispose of large unwanted goods such as fridges, freezers, etc. Details are available at www.wolverhampton.gov.uk. And across in Dudley, extra green waste collections can now be booked between November and March. Residents across the borough can now book six extra fortnightly collections for £30 as Dudley Council's paid-for service returns. The extra collections will start after the usual free fortnightly collections which run from spring to autumn finish. Bins will be emptied on the usual collection day with the six extra collections taking place between November and March next year. For more information or to book, go to dudley.gov.uk forward slash chargeable hyphen garden hyphen waste. Councillor Damien Caulfield, the council's cabinet member for highways and environmental services, said winter is just around the corner now and we are delighted to again be able to offer residents this extended opportunity to secure six additional fortnightly collections throughout winter. They will suit residents who enjoy gardening throughout the year providing them with a convenient way to dispose of their garden waste.
With temperatures already falling across the region, time now to hear from our gardening experts at MK Pulse magazine with handy tips and advice on how to prepare and protect our garden plants from the harsher weather to come. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, this is Jan with some seasonal tips and ideas from the gardening expert at the MK Pulse magazine, based in Milton Keynes. There's no doubt about it, there will soon be a chill in the air, it's that time of year again. Along with the fading light giving way to darker evenings, the temperature is dropping. Are you reaching for the cardies and jumpers and resisting the urge to pop the central heating on for five minutes in the morning just to take the chill off? Falling temperatures create their own problems in our outdoor spaces too, of course, and no one wants Jack Frost to wreak havoc on our prized plants. Luckily, a little forward planning and proper preparation can keep things safe. Don't wait until frost is established or you'll lose plants. And remember that a sudden, unexpected frost can cause havoc with even the hardiest garden greenery. There are many materials that can be utilised to keep garden growers safe and snugly. Hessian, straw, polystyrene and fleece can all be valuable assets. Not all plants and trees are to be treated the same, and a conversation with your knowledgeable garden centre staff member or a visit to a trusted online site will get you the right advice. Cloches are as fabulous as they are simple. Little plastic domes that support low-growing plants and vegetables and help to reduce some of the worst of the frosts. View them just the same as miniature greenhouses, but also be aware that if they are small and lightweight, they may need their own support in case of any particularly high winds. As you've probably guessed, the word cloche is French and means bell. As far back as the 1800s, bell-shaped domes were being used to protect plants, and they were usually made of glass. We mentioned fleece earlier, and putting the crop covers over or around plants can support fragile examples from wind and hail, so is worth consideration and is an easy way for plants to avoid weather stress. When it comes to tender plants, there is a choice though. You might choose to cut them back, lift them and store, or give protection by covering them with mulch. Do you have plants in lots of containers? They really need to be in a space that affords shelter, and if you keep them grouped together, they will benefit from each other. There is safety in numbers where plants are concerned too. Wrapping the pots in straw, or with bubble polythene, is a simple way to stop roots from succumbing to freezing temperatures. If you have old garden structures in need of a little TLC, Getting them sorted now will prevent damage in the coming months too. Whatever you decide to do to support your garden, do keep a check on things once those changes have been implemented. For example, waterlogging can result in rotting, and if soil becomes too wet, young trees can tumble in high winds. So, how does your garden grow? After a very successful harvest of crops from the school garden, which are sold to village neighbours, we will need to replenish the soil in the raised beds with compost, topsoil and a general fertiliser. We have planted rows of lettuces raised in August 
and will sow rows of winter density in Valdor. Tomatoes cropped well in spite of irregular watering, the last half-ripened truss being ripened on the window ledge. Some meteor pea seeds are to be planted in individual pots for spring planting. Broad beans, Aquadulce, Claudia and the Sutton are hardy and already growing well. They are cloche-covered for bird protection. Bulb catalogues are arriving. If you lifted, dried and stored daffodils in late spring, now is the time to plant them in the border. I have two acid soil lovers, a camellia and an azalea, in large pots. They need to be rain-watered now, as their flower buds will be developing soon. As I lift the pelargoniums before a frost, I will take as many cuttings as possible. Catching and collecting autumn's leaves is so important. Well-produced leaf mould is such a valuable mulch and soil improver. As plant growth is reduced, collect up the garden canes and store them to dry, and clean out bird boxes and hang for winter shelter. The days may be shorter, but there is no less work. Up next, it's trivia time, brought to us by Flashback Roger and his Did You Know feature. It's all yours, Roger. Take it away. Hello again everyone, I hope that you're ready for this week's instalment and the quiz that follows. So without further ado, let's kick off with this one. So now then, did you know that? And if you love tiramisu, then you'll probably think you could never get too much of the tasty treat. So how about a piece of the longest tiramisu ever created? It was 897 feet and 3 inches long, and it was produced by an Italian cheese brand Galbani. Students from the Milan Cooking School assembled the giant dessert, which was then divided up and served to those at the record-breaking event, while an additional 15,000 pieces went to the local children's hospital. And the longest bicycle in the world is over 135 feet long, and if you've ever ridden a tandem bike, you know that it can be a tricky one to get one moving. So just imagine how odd it must be to ride a bike that stretched over 135 feet and 10.7 inches, making it the longest bicycle in the world. It was crafted by Santos and the University of South Australia in 2015. A group of cyclists did manage to ride the bike, but unfortunately it didn't say how many people it took to ride it. And here's one to try for yourself, because if you fold a piece of paper in half, it doubles in thickness, and if you fold it in half again, it doubles in thickness again. With that type of exponential growth, it would take just 23 folds for a 1mm thick piece of paper to be 1km thick, and 30 folds for it to be thick enough to reach out of space. That's 100,000 kilometers. The world record for the number of folds, however, is 12. Have a go for yourself. I can't manage more than 8 when I try and and Oxford University is older than the Aztecs. The Aztec civilization of central Mexico began in 1325. That seems a long time ago, and it was of course, but you'd have to go back even further to witness the founding of Oxford University, 
which started as a learning hub as early as 1096, and by 1249, the university had established itself as an educational institution. And twinkle twinkle little star may have led us to believe that the massive celestial bodies in the night sky are sparkling, but it turns out that the flashing we see is merely a space mirage. The light that emanates from stars is steady and constant, but Earth's atmosphere interferes with what we see, which is why they appear to twinkle. And believe it or not, the average cloud weighs an estimated 551 tonnes. Clouds may look like giant fluffy puffs of cotton, but they're actually quite hefty. Despite their immense weight, that heavy cloud is floating over your head because of the air below is even heavier. The lesser density of the cloud allows it to float on the drier and more dense air. Well, who'd have thought it, eh? Long bikes, long tiramisus and heavy clouds. What a load of odd stuff I do dig up for us. But they're fun though, ain't they? Please do have a go at trying to beat me and trying to fold paper though. Because it's a bit of fun. In road up, I'm off to make me a nice cup of tea. Because I'm as dry as a desert flip-flop. Till next week then, I'll say bye for now. Ta-ra a bit. Ta-ra! Up now we have to hear what the weather has in store for us. Brought to us, come rain or shine, by our own Sunny Mina. The weather for this week ahead is forecast to remain very unsettled, with some sunny intervals but plenty of showers. Temperatures are forecast to continue to feel a lot more like autumn at 12 degrees. UV levels are expected to remain low. The sunrise and sunset times are 7.50am for the sunrise and 5.55pm for the sunset. Friday 20th of October is forecast to be very wet and breezy with spells of heavy rain and a gentle breeze. Temperatures are expected to still feel a little humid and muggy at 15 degrees. Moving on and, unfortunately, the spell of heavy rain looks set to hang around the region for the weekend. With a gentle breeze, temperatures will feel cooler at 11 degrees on both Saturday and Sunday. On to next week, where the spell of unsettled weather will continue to dominate once again, with plenty of sharp showers to look out for. It is forecast for rain to remain in the region on Monday 23rd of October and continue right through to Thursday 26th of October. With a gentle breeze, temperatures should continue to hold up at around 14 degrees. The showers are forecast to be persistent throughout the week, but there's a chance of some brief sunny intervals breaking through at times with Thursday looking like it has a chance of offering some light relief. So, that's another forecast to have you reaching for your brollies. As always, enjoy the weather. Up now, we have a special edition of this week's sports feature. TNF Soundings Features from across the UK Hello, with me is Sarah Fortescue, and would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself, Sarah? Can you do an introduction? Yes, I'm a visually impaired tennis player, and I'm here today to tell you about my tennis story. 
Well, can I first of all make a, a, a silly question, but how does it work, visually impaired tennis? Well, the adaptations for visually impaired tennis are the main change is we have a, a special ball uh, which is produced in Japan. Um, it's a foam ball, and in the centre of the foam ball is a plastic ball which contains plastic chips. So the ball rattles, um, which gives an audible sound. So we, obviously you can hear it, and the foam ball makes slows the ball up when you're playing. So it's a slightly slower ball than a, a traditional tennis belt ball, and it's audible as well. So that makes it easier for us to to see and and hear. The um, court size is made slightly smaller. So for visually impaired players who have some sight, so partially sighted players, the court is an orange court, um, which is a size that um, children would play on. So the baseline is brought in approximately two and three quarter metres from each end, and this is marked by wide masking tape. For totally blind players, the court is even smaller, a, a mini red court, and the the outer lines are marked with masking tape again, but under the masking tape is a, a thin rope or cord, so the blind players are able to feel the court, either with their hand or their foot or their racket, so they can feel the way around the court. And obviously they play totally on picking up sound from the audible ball. Um, if you'd like to play in competitions, you need to get classified. And the way you do this is to approach British Blind Sports and ask them for an application for a sight test to test your acuities and also your field test. And then that gives you a classification of a B1, which is a totally blind player. A B2 player has little sight and is allowed three bounces of the ball. A B3 player, which is I'm categorised as, has a bit more sight and has two bounces of the ball. And then a B4 player has better sight and only has one bounce of the ball. So generally at tournaments, um, people in a classification would play people of the same classification. Although if we happen to be mixed up, it, it's evened out by if you've got less sight, you get more bounces of the ball. If you've got more sight, you get less bounces of the ball. And finally, before we start playing, we say, ready. The opponent has to say yes when they're ready. And then we say play. And after you said play, you have five seconds in which to serve the ball. And those are the adaptations for visually impaired tennis. Right. You, from what I gather, you've had a very, very busy season. What have you been up to this year? Uh, this year I've played regional tournaments and I've been to GB squad training camps um, around the country. Um, I also qualified to play at Wimbledon, uh, which I was very chuffed about and proud. Uh, Wimbledon is obviously such a prestigious venue and even the professionals are, are very happy to play there. So I was absolutely blown away to, to play at Wimbledon. The facilities were amazing. Um, we were treated like celebrities, so I had a, such a fantastic day, a uh, really fantastic experience. And then afterwards, we were given a tour of Wimbledon by a very nice tour guide. And um, 
it was it was quite strange to be there when nobody else was there. There was no tennis going on apart from our um, finals tournament. So that was strange, but it was such a lovely venue to look round and, and hear a bit more about the history. Um, I was also selected for Team GB, which came as a surprise because uh, my peers are, are uh, equally as good as I am. So I was very proud to be selected for Team GB. And that means that I get to play at the World Blind Games, which is also uh, a fantastic privilege and an honour. Uh, so nice to play players from all around the world. And I was just so chuffed to be able to pick up a bronze for Team GB and for myself, which was the um, icing on the cake. I feel very honoured interviewing somebody from Team GB. <laughs> I can't believe it myself, to be quite honest. <laughs> you know, those white tracksuits that you keep seeing around the place. <laughs> I presume you've got one of those. Uh, unfortunately not. No, we did get a GB kit, but not quite as glamorous as that. <laughs> <laughs> How did all this come about? What was, the, what was the thing that lit the fire for you? Well, I almost nearly didn't take part. There was um, a have-a-go session actually advertised on our local talking newspaper um, for some visually impaired tennis, and I thought, oh, that sounds quite interesting. Um, but I was away for the first week. I was on holiday, and I thought, oh, if I go in the second week, am I going to be behind or am I going to be out to see to trap the ball, which, you know, was a big concern. It want to look silly. Um, so I nearly didn't go along, but I'm so glad that I did because because I enjoyed it so much. It was a very slow start to a very slow progress, but I enjoyed it from day one. And the story just grew from there, just playing more, getting better, finding a coach and um, a friend to play with. So it is an amazing sport and I enjoy it so much. The frustration is is you need someone to play with and a court to play on, <laughs> which um, in my local area is quite difficult. There's lots of outdoor courts, but visually impaired tennis is an indoor sport because um, if it's wet or windy, it affects the ball so much because it's a light foam ball. And most visually impaired people do struggle to see if it's bright and sunny. So, so it is always an indoor sport. Are there courts around Britain? There's plenty of courts around Britain, yeah, but um, not always that local to you. But again, if you know, I've come to like it so much that I'm happy to travel. Um, there are quite a lot of um, clubs throughout the country. Um, but it doesn't service everyone. Actually, there's 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 very little round by me. So I just have a I have a coach who obviously coaches me individually and a friend that I play with. So right. I'm not affiliated with any club. But I, I like it so much that I've just gone out and and done it individually. But lots of my visually impaired tennis player colleagues, uh, I you know, I joined to clubs which run weekly or fortnightly, and they are throughout the country. So do you have to do a lot of training? I'd like to do a lot of training, but like, as I said earlier, the you know, having a court available and someone to play with isn't that easy. So uh, I've, I've done about three to four hours a week. Uh, ideally, I'd like to do that every day. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. Yeah. And if somebody was interested in, in taking up tennis, visually impaired tennis, 
how, how would they go about it? What would be the first steps for them? The first steps is probably look on the LTA website and there is an email address as well that I can give you, which is disabilitycompetitions at lta.org.uk. What made you pick tennis in particular? I know you said you heard this thing on, on Talking News, but why tennis? It was literally that. I've, I've never, I've always been active, but I've never been sporty in my life. I've never taken part in, you know, a singular or a team sport. But I just, really? I just thought I'm going to have a go at this. It sounds, you know, sounds fun. And, and, and as I said, from day one, I really enjoyed it. And I got a, a buzz out of it. And when I got a racket in my hand, I'm sort of in the zone and not thinking about anything else, just enjoying, you know, hitting a ball. So That's lovely. It is, yeah. It's, I can't believe how it's changed my life. It's made me much more confident person um, because the tournaments, the regional tournaments are, are all over the country. So I travelled the country and met many like-minded visually impaired people playing tennis. So I now have a lot more friends all around the country. I've also played abroad in Spain and Germany. So it's, you know, it really has opened a, a box for me. Yeah, do, do, this is an awkward question, but what sort of age range are visually impaired tennis players? Oh, that's that's the sad part of the sport is the majority of the players are in their 40s, 50s and 60s. Right. So we are absolutely screaming out for, for youngsters to come along and, and join. There, there are a few, I'm not saying there aren't any, but the majority are older. Um, so we really want to keep it going. And our idea is to, to make it a Paralympic sport. Mm -hmm. uh, at the moment, it's an international sport, but there have to be so many international tournaments for so many years before it can become Paralympic. I see. So we would really like for that to happen. Well, can I ask you a personal question now? Because you've obviously had <laughs> you've obviously had lots of match experience. Do you get very nervous before a match? I do sometimes get nervous, but apparently that's a good thing. <laughs> oh, my coach tells me. And how do you deal with it? Um, I think once you're actually on the court and you've played a few shots, I say once I've got a racket in my hand, I turn into to um just enjoying the game and and you know playing the points point for point i always play every point to win it if you do that's good if you don't then the next point you aim to to win it you're obviously hugely enthusiastic about it and it's lovely to hear um what's been your the highlight of your tennis career so far then would you say um i can't really say that i have one actual highlight i think the whole thing for me is is the my total tennis journey. I started from never picking up a racket before in my life to actually becoming quite good and being selected for Team GB, which it still surprises me now. And I've had such a lot of fun on the way. I've worked really hard and I've enjoyed every minute. I've had lots of people's help and support, which is great. And just the whole experience is 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 the highlight for me. It was an amazing opportunity to be selected to play at the World Blind Games and a real privilege to play different people from all around the world, obviously. So the furthest away, Australia, the closest, Ireland. It's quite nerve-wracking playing 
players you've never played before because obviously you have no idea how they're going to play until you've got on court and have a few games behind you and every game is important. You need to suss their play as quick as you can and play your best tennis in, in order to try and win the game. Everyone who I played was, was so lovely. It was fun, enjoyable, win or lose. And I think everyone enjoyed themselves, especially me. It is. It's a lovely story. So what are your plans for next year then? Uh, more of the same. <laughs> yeah. Are there any big competitions coming up? Uh, there will be an international tournament, but that's not announced yet. And there'll be the regional tournaments around the country. So um, at least six tournaments around the country. And then the finals are in Wrexham in November, usually. That's the uh, centre of American sport at the moment, isn't it? Because they've... <laughs> it is, yes. Yeah, well. We're hoping that Ryan Reynolds will come along and see us, put us on the map. Yeah, that'd be nice, wouldn't it? You get sponsorship from those yeah. two. <laughs> Would you like to repeat your plea for people to take part? Yes, I just, it doesn't have to be tennis, but, you know, the, the journey I've made by finding something that I get such a kick out of and such a buzz so if you want to go at tennis, please have a go. It doesn't have to be tennis. It could be any other VI sport or any art. Or I've also been VI sailing, which I get such a buzz out of that as well. But just, you know, if there's a small doubt in your mind, think, no, I can't do that. Just just give it a try. And you've, you've really nothing to lose. Oh, that's a fabulous message. It really is. I've really enjoyed this. Thank you so much, Sarah Fortescue. And people do listen out for any news of Sarah in the future. Thank you very much, Sarah. That was lovely. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Now, here come the quiz answers. And they're brought to us by Mina. Hello, and here are your answers for this week's flashback quiz. Feeling confident? How will you score? Let's see. Question one. How many pieces is it said that the largest Rambisu is made of? And the answer is 15,000. Question two. How long was the largest bicycle? And the answer here is over 135 feet. Question three. In the current world record, how many paper doubling folds were completed? And the answer here is 12. Question 4. Which is the oldest Oxford University or the Aztecs? And the answer here is it's Oxford University. Question 5. Do stars really twinkle? And the answer here is, no, they don't. It's a space mirage. And finally, question six. How heavy is the average cloud thought to be? And the answer here is an estimated 551 tonnes. Did you get them all right? If not, not to worry, as I will be back next week to test you all once again. Bye for now. 
So that's it for another edition of the Black Country Talking News. A reminder to our CD listeners who have received CDs in padded envelopes that you don't need to send anything back to us. If you have a sight loss tip or someone you would like to wish a happy birthday to, just say hello to. Maybe even a poem or talking book you would like reviewed, then please get in touch with us at the Beacon Centre. Call 01902 880 Email bctn at beaconvision.org or write to us at the Black Country Talking News, Beacon, Wolverhampton Road East, Wolverhampton, WV4 6AZ. We look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for listening and thank you to all our supporters, donators and volunteers who without their support will be unable to run this free service. Please note the information and views expressed in this recording does not necessarily represent the views of Beacon or Talking News and were accurate at the time of recording. Mentions of goods and services does not imply endorsement and whilst every care is taken to supply accurate information, Beacon and Talking News do not undertake liability for any errors. So it's goodbye from all of us, stay safe, have a good week and we look forward to bringing you next week's edition of the Black Country Talking News. Ta-ra!